0: Section Twelve of the Coming Race. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Mary Roddy, The Coming Race by Edward George Bulwer Lytton, Chapter Eighteen. As Taie and myself, on quitting the town and leaving to the left the main road which led to it struck into the fields the strange and solemn beauty of the landscape lighted up by numberless lamps to the verge of the horizon fascinated my eyes and rendered me for some time an inattentive listener to the talk of my companion along our way various operations of agriculture were being carried on by machinery the forms of which were new to me and for the most part very graceful. For among these people, art being so cultivated for the sake of mere utility, exhibits itself in adorning or refining the shapes of useful objects. Precious metals and gems are so profuse among them, that they are lavished on things devoted to purposes the most commonplace and their love of utility leads them to beautify its tools, and quickens their imagination in a way unknown to themselves. In all service, whether in or out of doors, they make great use of automaton figures which are so ingenious and so pliant to the operations of Vril that they actually seem gifted with reason. It was scarcely possible to distinguish the figures I beheld, apparently guiding or superintending the rapid movements of vast engines, from human forms endowed with thought. By degrees, as we continued to walk on, my attention became roused by the lively and acute remarks of my companion. THE INTELLIGENCE OF THE CHILDREN AMONG THIS RACE IS MARVELOUSLY PRECOCIOUS, PERHAPS FROM THE HABIT OF HAVING ENTRUSTED TO THEM, AT SO EARLY AN AGE, THE TOILS AND RESPONSIBILITIES OF MIDDLE AGE. INDEED, IN CONVERSING WITH Taï, I FELT AS IF TALKING WITH SOME SUPERIOR AND OBSERVANT MAN OF MY OWN YEARS. I asked him if he could form any estimate of the number of communities into which the race of the Vrelia is subdivided. Not exactly, he said, because they multiply, of course, every year as the surplus of each community is drafted off. But I heard my father say that, according to the last report there were a million and a half of communities speaking our language and adopting our institutions and forms of life and government but i believe with some differences about which you had better ask Zee, she knows more than most of the ana do an an cares less for things that do not concern him than a guy does the Jaye are inquisitive creatures DOES EACH COMMUNITY RESTRICT ITSELF TO THE SAME NUMBER OF FAMILIES OR AMOUNT OF POPULATION THAT YOU DO? NO, SOME HAVE MUCH SMALLER POPULATIONS, SOME HAVE LARGER, VARYING ACCORDING TO THE EXTENT OF THE COUNTRY THEY APPROPRIATE, OR TO THE DEGREE OF EXCELLENCE TO WHICH THEY HAVE BROUGHT THEIR MACHINERY. EACH COMMUNITY SETS ITS OWN LIMIT ACCORDING TO CIRCUMSTANCES, taking care always that there shall never arise any class of poor by the pressure of population upon the productive powers of the domain, and that no state shall be too large for a government resembling that of a single well-ordered family. I imagine that no Vril community exceeds thirty thousand households, but, as a general rule, the smaller the community provided there be hands enough to do justice to the capacities of the territory it occupies, the richer each individual is, and the larger the sum contributed to the general treasury. Above all, the happier and the more tranquil is the whole political body, and the more perfect the products of its industry." the state which all tribes of the vril ya acknowledge to be the highest in civilization and which has brought the vril force to its fullest development is perhaps the smallest it limits itself to four thousand families but every inch of its territory is cultivated to the utmost perfection of garden ground its machinery excels that of every other tribe and there is no product of its industry in any department which is not sought for at extraordinary prices by each community of our race all our tribes make this state their model considering that we should reach the highest state of civilization allowed to mortals if we could unite the greatest degree of happiness with the highest degree of intellectual achievement and it is clear that the smaller the society the less difficult that will be ours is too large for it this reply set me thinking i reminded myself of that little state of athens with only twenty thousand free citizens and which to this day our mightiest nations regard as the supreme guide and model in all departments of intellect but then Athens permitted fierce rivalry and perpetual change, and was certainly not happy. Rousing myself from the reverie into which these reflections had plunged me, I brought back our talk to the subjects connected with emigration. "'But,' said I, "'when, I suppose yearly, a certain number among you agree to quit home and found a new community elsewhere,' They must necessarily be very few, and scarcely sufficient, even with the help of the machines they take with them, to clear the ground and build towns, and form a civilized state with the comforts and luxuries in which they had been reared. You mistake! All the tribes of the Vrilja are in constant communication with each other, and settle amongst themselves each year what proportion of one community will unite with the emigrants of another so as to form a state of sufficient size and the place for emigration is agreed upon at least a year before and pioneers sent from each state to level rocks and embank waters and construct houses so that when the emigrants at last go they find a city already made and a country around it at least partially cleared. Our hardy life as children make us take cheerfully to travel and adventure, I mean to emigrate myself when of age. Do the emigrants always select places hitherto uninhabited and barren? As yet, generally, because it is our rule never to destroy except when necessary to our well-being. Of course, we cannot settle in lands already occupied by the Vrilja, and if we take the cultivated lands of the other races of Anna, we must utterly destroy the previous inhabitants. Sometimes, as it is, we take waste spots, and find that a troublesome, quarrelsome race of Anna, especially if under the administration of Kumpush or Gleknas, resents our vicinity, and picks a quarrel with us. Then, of course, as menacing our welfare, we destroy it. There is no coming to terms of peace with a race so idiotic that it is always changing the form of government which represents it. Kumpoche said the child emphatically, "'is bad enough. Still it has brains.' though at the back of its head, and is not without a heart. But in Gleknas the brain and heart of the creatures disappear, and they become all jaws, claws, and belly. You express yourself strongly. Allow me to inform you that I myself, and I am proud to say it, am the citizen of Akumpush. I no longer, answered Thay, wonder to see you here so far from your home what was the condition of your native community before it became a kumpoosh a settlement of emigrants like those settlements which your tribe sends forth but so far unlike your settlements that it was dependent on the state from which it came it shook off that yoke and crowned with eternal glory became a Kumbhosh. Eternal glory! How long has the Kumposh lasted? About a hundred years—the length of an aunt's life—a very young community. In much less than another hundred years, your Kumposh will be a glegnos. Nay, the oldest states in the world I come from have such faith in its duration that they are all gradually shaping their institutions so as to melt into ours, and their most thoughtful politicians say that whether they like it or not, the inevitable tendency of these old states is towards kumpauchery. The old states? Yes, the old states. With populations very small in proportion to the area of productive land? on the contrary, with populations very large in proportion to that area. I see, old states indeed, so old as to become driveling if they don't pack off that surplus population as we do ours. Very old states, very, very old. Pray, Tish, Do you think it wise for very old men to try to turn head over heels as very young children do? And if you ask them why they attempted such antics, should you not laugh if they answered that by imitating very young children they could become very young children themselves? Ancient history abounds with instances of this sort a great many thousand years ago and in every instance a very old state that played at Koomposh soon tumbled into Glegnas then in horror of its own self it cried out for a master as an old man in his dotage cries out for a nurse and after a succession of masters or nurses more or less long that very old state died out of history a very old state attempting coompochery is like a very old man who pulls down the house to which he has been accustomed but he has so exhausted his vigour in pulling down that all he can do in the way of rebuilding is to run up a crazy hut in which himself and his successors whine out how the wind blows how the walls shake My dear Tai, I make all excuse for your unenlightened prejudices, which every schoolboy educated in a kumpoosh could easily controvert, though he might not be so precociously learned in ancient history as you appear to be. I learned, not a bit of it. But would a schoolboy, educated in your kumpush, ask his great-great-grandfather or great-great-grandmother to stand on his or her head with the feet uppermost? And if the poor old folks hesitated, say, What do you fear? See how I do it. Tai, I disdain to argue with a child of your age. I repeat, I make allowances for your want of that culture which a kumpoosh alone can bestow. I, in my turn, answered Taï with an air of suave but lofty good breeding which characterizes his race, not only make allowances for you as not educated among the Vrelia, but I entreat you to vouchsafe me your pardon. FOR THE INSUFFICIENT RESPECT TO THE HABITS AND OPINIONS OF SO AMIABLE A TISH. I OUGHT BEFORE TO HAVE OBSERVED THAT I WAS COMMONLY CALLED TISH BY MY HOST AND HIS FAMILY AS BEING A POLITE AND INDEED A PET NAME, LITERALLY SIGNIFYING A SMALL BARBARIAN. THE CHILDREN APPLY IT ENDEARINGLY TO THE TAME SPECIES OF FROG WHICH THEY KEEP IN THEIR GARDENS. We had now reached the banks of a lake, and Tai here paused to point out to me the ravages made in the fields skirting it. "The enemy certainly lies within these waters," said Tai, "observe what shoals of fish are crowded together at the margin, even the great fishes with the small ones, who are their habitual prey and who generally shun them." all forget their instincts in the presence of a common destroyer. This reptile certainly must belong to the class of Krek-A, which are more devouring than any other, and are said to be among the few surviving species of the world's dreadest inhabitants before the Anna were created. The appetite of a Krek is insatiable, it feeds alike upon vegetable and animal life but for the swift-footed creatures of the elk species it is too slow in its movements its favorite dainty is an on when it can catch him unawares and hence the anna destroy it relentlessly whenever it enters their dominion i have heard that when our forefathers first cleared this country these monsters, and others like them, abounded, and Vril being then undiscovered, many of our race were devoured. It was impossible to exterminate them wholly till that discovery which constitutes the power and sustains the civilization of our race. But after the uses of Vril became familiar to us, all creatures inimical to us were soon annihilated. Still, once a year or so, one of these enormous creatures wanders from the unreclaimed and savage districts beyond, and within my memory one has seized upon a young gi who was bathing in this very lake. Had she been on land and armed with her staff, it would not have dared even to show itself for like all savage creatures the reptile has a marvellous instinct which warns it against the bearer of the vril wand how they teach their young to avoid him though seen for the first time is one of those mysteries which you may ask z to explain for i cannot the reptile in this instinct does but resemble our wild birds and animals "'which will not come in reach of a man armed with a gun. "'When the electric wires were first put up, "'partridges struck against them in their flight, "'and fell down wounded. "'No younger generations of partridges meet with a similar accident. "'So long as I stand here, "'the monster will not stir from its lurking-place, "'but we must now decoy it forth. "'Will that not be difficult?' not at all seat yourself yonder on that crag about one hundred yards from the bank while i retire to a distance in a short time the reptile will catch sight or scent of you and perceiving that you are no vril bearer will come forth to devour you as soon as it is fairly out of the water it becomes my prey do you mean to tell me that i am to be decoy to that horrible monster which could engulf me within its jaws in a second? I beg to decline. The child laughed. Fear nothing, said he, only sit still. Instead of obeying the command, I made a bound and was about to take fairly to my heels when Taii touched me slightly on the shoulder and fixing his eye steadily on mine, i was rooted to the spot all power of volition left me submissive to the infant's gesture i followed him to the crag he had indicated and seated myself there in silence most readers have seen something of the effects of electrobiology, whether genuine or spurious no professor of that doubtful craft had ever been able to influence a thought or a movement of mine, but I was a mere machine at the will of this terrible child. Meanwhile he expanded his wings, soared aloft, and alighted amidst a copse at the brow of a hill at some distance. I was alone, and turning my eyes with an indescribable sensation of horror towards the lake, "'I kept them fixed on its water, spellbound. "'It might be ten or fifteen minutes, to me it seemed ages, "'before the still surface, gleaming under the lamplight, "'began to be agitated towards the centre. "'At the same time the shoals of fish near the margin "'evinced their sense of the enemy's approach "'by a splash and leap and bubbling circle.' i could detect their hurried flight hither and thither some even casting themselves ashore a long dark undulous furrow came moving along the waters nearer and nearer till the vast head of the reptile emerged its jaws bristling with fangs and its dull eyes fixing themselves hungrily on the spot where i sat motionless AND NOW ITS FOUR FEET WERE ON THE STRAND, NOW ITS ENORMOUS BREAST, SCALED ON EITHER SIDE AS IN ARMOUR, IN THE CENTER SHOWING ITS CORRUGATED SKIN OF A DULL, VENOMOUS YELLOW, AND NOW ITS WHOLE LENGTH WAS ON THE LAND, A HUNDRED FEET OR MORE FROM THE JAW TO THE TAIL. ANOTHER STRIDE OF THOSE GHASTLY FEET WOULD HAVE BROUGHT IT TO THE SPOT WHERE I SAT, There was but a moment between me and this grim form of death, when what seemed a flash of lightning shot through the air, smote, and for a space of time, briefer than that in which a man can draw his breath, enveloped the monster. And then, as the flash vanished, there lay before me a blackened, charred, smouldering mass. "'a something gigantic, but of which even the outlines of form were burnt away, "'and rapidly crumbling into dust and ashes. "'I remained still seated, still speechless, "'ice cold with a new sensation of dread. "'What had been horror was now awe. "'I felt the child's hand on my head. "'Fear left me. The spell was broken.' I rose up. "'You see with what ease the Ya destroy their enemies?' said Tai. and then, moving towards the bank, he contemplated the smouldering relics of the monster, and said quietly, "'I have destroyed larger creatures, but none with so much pleasure. Yes, it is a Krek. What suffering it must have inflicted while it lived!' Then he took up the poor fishes that had flung themselves ashore, and restored them mercifully to their native element. End of chapter 18